HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's episode of Straight No Chaser has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Learn more about them at surreyfarms.com. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and we're broadcasting live from the back of Roberta's in Bushwick at 261 Moore Street, where brunch is being served. Today's program is sponsored by S. Wallace Edwards and & Sons, and we will be talking about agricultural gag laws, which are starting to sweep through the farm belt of this country. My guest today is Amanda Hitt. Amanda is the director of the Food Integrity Campaign for the Government Accountability Project. Amanda oversees the FIC operations and is responsible for ensuring that they fulfill their mission of enhancing food integrity by facilitating truth Telling. Now, there's a novel thought. Founded in 1977, the Government Accountability Project is the nation's leading whistleblower protection and advocacy organization. Located in Washington, GAP is a nonpartisan public interest group. And in addition to focusing on whistleblower support in our stated program areas, they also lead campaigns to enact whistleblower protection laws, both domestically and internationally. Welcome to the program, Amanda. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. So, um... Let's talk a little bit about uh, the evolution of agricultural gag laws, uh, what they mean, and why uh, the Government Accountability Project is all over this. Well, they're, they're not new. <clears throat> They've been around for a while, but um, they're sort of, they came into fashion pretty recently. And uh, we see them as anti-whistleblower laws. And what they essentially do is they stop the recording or videoing of any agricultural facility. That's going to cause a lot of trouble because within those facilities, there are a lot of potential whistleblowers who are stopped um, by these by these pieces of legislation. Some some of which have become law in certain states, uh, and they simply can't speak out because of the, the threat of criminal prosecution, which is absolutely unheard of. 
You mean they didn't have this? I know that some of those laws were enacted in the 90s um, and that the most recent ones, Iowa and Utah, are much more draconian. So why don't you talk, I mean, can you describe a little bit about how it's sort of gone from being just kind of a slap on the wrist to actually guaranteeing jail time? Well, you know, it's actually a, a pretty simple response to that. They're not constitutional. So basically, they're, they're based in an inability to, to effectively prosecute any of these uh, ag gag, pieces of ag gag legislation. And this is classic First Amendment. This is the, this notion of an investigative reporter being able to go inside, inside a facility, any type of facility, nursing home or daycare, and record uh, malfeasance and, and just general uh, threats to public health and safety. So there, it's, an, it's an essential right that uh, reporters are be able to get into, into these, these types of facilities. So, so what happened? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so what? So so what happened is they had to react to that. So in Iowa and Utah, they instead of just outright criminalizing the videotaping or the recording, they made it they they made it a crime to lie on your job application. So if you let's say you want to go into one of these facilities and you and you fail to mention that. You work for ABC or Humane Society of the United States, that becomes the crime itself. Wow. Well, what about, for instance, I mean, you and I were introduced by Timothy Pacharat, who was a guest on this show some months ago, whose book, Every 12 Seconds, uh, was kind of an undercover um, expose of the of a certain slaughtering facility in, in Nebraska. Um, so he clearly would have been prosecuted under that, under that uh, rubric, right? Exactly, and, and, and this is what you, this is something about Timothy's undercover experience and, and the book that he wrote. Timothy didn't even outright lie. He just didn't tell everything about what it was he'd done. More importantly, he did the work, you know? Right. He, wasn't, he wasn't just there schluffing around, um, you know, writing things down. He was actually working in that facility. So wh- what would have happened to him had he been in, in Utah and Iowa today? And, and I think clearly he would have fallen under their uh, ag-gag, uh, ag-gag law, and he would have found himself up, you know, up for criminal prosecution. Yeah, pretty scary. So basically what this means is that, I mean, let me ask you this, Amanda. Doesn't this send a message that the, that oh, in this case, the food processing industry, but you can extrapolate this to eggs or any kind of livestock, um, you know, and almost really anything like uh, even produce to a certain extent. I mean, doesn't this suggest to the average consumer that the food industry has something to hide, that the fact that they want to enact these laws um, really in, in kind of a sweeping way? There are pending laws in Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, New York and Tennessee right now. Um, a couple of other states just recently turned them down. So wh- what do you think the public relations angle is on this? I mean, I would find that very, um, you know, were I an industry person, an industry flack, I would find it very disturbing that I had to then overcome this hurdle about, you know, trying to explain to the com- to the country that we're actually transparent, but um, but we don't want you in our facility videotaping. Yeah, they, they, that's the basic question. Well, what do you have to hide? But this is—I think it's bigger than what do you what do you have to hide. This is what this whole business is built on. They this agricultural business, the business of which, which is often exploited. I mean, you think about even produce, like you you mentioned, and farm workers, and and what's being done, and how the animals are shipped and packaged and um, turned into hamburgers. The whole business. 
of agriculture, as we know it, big ag, requires a certain veil of secrecy. You have to remove the consumer from the reality and base everything on a price point. Not on an integrity point. Not on, not on what it is and what it means to, to to create food that's consistent with your community's values. So yes, it, what do they have to hide? Everything about themselves. <laughs> this, 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 this is not, it's not small, right? I mean, yeah. your whole business is based on on secrecy and a lack of transparency. But now Ag, Ag will say, oh, well, well, we want to be as transparent as possible. And I'm not even sure what they mean by that, but I think they just want to say that as transparent to them is we agree hamburgers come from cows. I mean, that's about as far as they're going to go. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I mean, one of the things that I, I wrote down for us to talk about was uh, a recently published survey on one of the trade sites called Beef.com. Anybody can go there. Um, and the uh, question was posed to the readers of Beef.com. Several states have passed the so-called ag-gag laws that criminalize undercover photography or video inside in livestock operations. Um, and the, ulti- the, 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 the ultimate point of this was, are ag-gag laws a good idea for the livestock industry to pursue or not? And people were expected to respond to that. Um, One of the things that they also said was that the livestock industry groups say such laws are needed to protect farmers from activists whose principal motivation is to hurt their business. I, I thought that was absolutely ludicrous. What person, what organization, whether it's PETA or HSUS or any of the other Humane Society organizations, is out there to actually hurt a farmer? I don't think that it's really on the farm that these um, problems are arising. I think it's more in the production areas. Would that be accurate to your mind? We, yeah, it, yes, it is. It is accurate. But you know, I'm I'm the daughter of a dairy farmer. I I I understand agriculture. I'm I'm not I'm not dumb to it. I get it. It's dirty, messy work, and it can easily be misconstrued. Uh-huh. These farmers are are right. I mean, castration is not an okay thing to watch. I know that. Birthing cows, it's not okay. I mean, there, there there's a lot of things that that a lot that many people can't understand. And farmers and ranchers are very independent, and they're very wary of of these, you know, big groups like Humane Society and PETA and all of these scary entities. I get that. I get that. I understand that. I know where they're coming from firsthand. However, these laws are not meant to go after those farmers. These these laws, or protect rather those farmers, these are there to protect the industry itself. Make no mistake, this is not an anti-farmer movement. It is not about you know artisanal cheese. It don't you know that's what the that's what the ag- agricultural industry needs us all to believe. Well, that they that this is that this is a bunch of radicals who are trying to get people to stop eating meat and buying eggs. This is this is not the reality. Well, that <laughs> that's exactly. I mean, that was sort of my next question: is Would you say there is a case to be made that the industry itself is responsible for fomenting this anxiety amongst farmers in order to get them to support their legislative agenda vis-a-vis ag-gag? And I think you yes. just answered that question. Yes, absolutely. So it's not, um, you know, it's not farmers who are lobbying to have uh, PETA not come in and videotape their dairy operations. It's actually, it's actually the processing facilities, the distribution. I mean, the bigger, you know, entities like Car- uh, Cargill or Conagra or you know any of the other big jobs in the um, in the industry who are really making the laws, who are really doing the lobbying for everybody. They are, but they they they're they're not 
they're, they're very sophisticated people. I mean, they have a lot of money at stake, and they will create grassroots movements by creating front groups that go into these um, into these states, and they they lobby hard, and and they they move they move the masses who's primary income is through agriculture to stand up and fight these outsiders and and that's that's how these industries work they 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 use their power and they push their power and they throw it into the grassroots and they create a front and they they drive these movements through that and it is not it's not about the local farmer it is not about the, the ranchers and they, they, uh, the, these big guys are going to make sure that they can do everything in their power to make this uh, a threat to independence and and, um, and and the things that these ranchers and farmers hold so dear. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, it's sort of on a on a certain level, it parallels what's playing out in the Republican, uh, you know, in the Republican Democratic race for presidency right now. Because in a way, it's sort of you know many of the same issues. Uh, you know, how much government accountability there is, whether or not the government is in your pocket, whether or not they're overseeing your stuff. Meanwhile, at the same time, you know, they want to promote all these other sort of egregious things like transvaginal examinations. But anyway, um, well, well, Katie, you're in my brain. You're really yes. in my brain right now. That's the reality of the government. An accountability project. That's what we do. Yeah. Trust me when I tell you. Yeah, you're right because uh, you can you follow the money. I mean, Terry Bramstad was bought and paid by the meat in- industry. Governor that Terry get Bramstad being the governor of Iowa. Right. Mitt Romney. I mean, every. I mean, this is this is no small deal. This is a lot of money and a lot of politics and a lot of push. Right. So how does it let's let's quickly um, talk for a minute about what exactly can you guys do? How do you how are you raising awareness of this? And and what are the you know, what are the steps that um, that uh, your organization can take to help restrain some of this money and power from coming into play? We there's no restraining this money and power from coming into play, but there is a there is a there is a big voice out there, and and we're using it, and, and we do it collectively, and we gather gather coalitions of the willing, and we make friends across across sectors and across parties, and we get them to to fight for transparency and accountability, and that's at the core of everything. It's 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 if if we can facilitate truth telling from within these industries. We can actually show people what's happening. We can give people an idea of, of who's pulling whose strings. And, um, you know, we're rallying on, on Monday uh, at the USDA to show people what's really happening with the privatization scheme that's going on in poultry. So that's mm-hmm. how we do it. We do advocacy, we do education, and when we have to, and, and, and we will, we use litigation as a tool. To uh, to correct some of these issues. So, for instance, in the ag gag issue, are you being are you going to be bringing a suit saying that these laws are unconstitutional? No, uh, we that wouldn't that would not be us. It would have to be. I mean, somebody would have to be prosecuted. Uh-huh. Uh, so they'd have to first, and, and that, we don't do the criminal aspect. Okay. Uh, so for 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 ag gag, our goal would be to empower the people from within to speak without getting prosecuted. So we would use for let their government inspectors. We would we would push for the um, uh, Whistleblower Protection Act and certainly uh, represent them. And for the private workers, especially under SDA, um, where we have the Food Safety Modernization Act, we actually have a whistleblower provision there that we could represent people 
non-meat and poultry at this point, unfortunately, but in everything else, we could give them the power to speak without retaliation and without being terminated for speaking the truth. Wow, incredible. Well, Amanda, we're going to take like a short sponsored break right now, um, and we'll be right back, so please stay on the line, and folks, please come back and join us again on Straight No Chaser with Amanda Hitt from the Government Accountability Project. Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at Surrey Farms dot com or virginia traditions dot com And we're back with Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and we are talking with Amanda Hitt from the Government Accountability Project about new uh, new and old agricultural gag laws, as they are called. And on the line with us is Brandon, an attorney from Utah, who had a question for you, Amanda. Um, Brandon, welcome to the program, and thanks so much for calling in with your concerns. Um, go ahead and tell us what your question is. Well, thank you very much for having me, Katie, and uh, thanks for everything that Amanda and the Government Accountability Project does. I follow their work closely. Um, I was wondering what Amanda's thoughts were on the effects of these ag-gag laws on uh, the enforcement of such policies like the FDA's downer cow policy, which were instituted to stop the spread of diseases like mad cow. Um, and I was also wondering what uh, her thoughts were on uh, recent investigations by uh, organizations like Mercy for Animals, who recently, just in the past month or so, uh, one of their investigations led to criminal charges against uh, uh, people in the uh, turkey processing uh, facilities there. Amanda? Okay, um, yeah, the, uh, with regard to the downer cow thing, um, if, 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 it, if you recall, there was the... Um, the video of Westland Hallmark was just atrocious. With it was shot by Humane Society uh, United States investigators. What they were able to capture in that in that video, not only was it, it was atrocious to animals, but you were you were seeing downer cows, which are when you're talking about mad cow disease, that's that's your threat right there. These cows were actually put into the system, and they they ended up in the, in the National School Lunch Program actually, and it became the largest recall to date, meat recall. So, you know, if we add gag that, then we are in fact stopping that kind of that flow of information to the masses and to, of course, the people in, in a position to make those recalls. So that was a critically important piece of video. Couldn't have it with ad gag. So that's that's very disturbing. And to the second second question with Marcy for animals, um, they have been uh, just 
prolific lately, bringing in some um, some really uh, disturbing disturbing video. Um, and again, it's 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 indicating real 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 problems with food safety. It's not just about an animal anymore. I mean, we're talking about salmonella, and and they caught video of. Um, just piles of, of feces, and, and unfortunately, the government wasn't addressing uh, these, these health issues. So, but for these videos, we would not have food safety changes, and we would not have an informed public, and we wouldn't have an informed agency that knows that the pressure is on to do the right thing for food safety and the public's health. How does it, does that answer your question, Brandon? It does, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, this is a very disturbing uh, development. Uh, AgGag is absolutely going right off the rails in terms of, of not only securing uh, humane treatment of animals, but also securing food safety across the nation, um, particularly in the matter of things like ground beef, which are very much affected by whether or not an animal is what's called a downer animal. And that's not always a sign of mad cow. Sometimes it's just an animal that's either sick or it's dehydrated or it's injured, which can often Often happen in uh, transport um, before they get actually into the processing or the kill floor. So there's lots of reasons why cows fall down, but um, every, any one of those reasons is enough to pull it out of uh, the chain, as they call it, which is when they you know feed them through the chute into the kill floor and uh, on through the processing plant. So um, Brandon, thanks so much for calling in. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you're listening, and I hope you tell everybody else too. Um, Amanda, let's move on here for a second. I want to take another. Um, I want to bring up another point that we sort of addressed before, but I think is is kind of, you know, is kind of the crux of, of a lot of the discussion that we have right now in terms of the polarity between our two uh, political parties, etc. A blogger on Beef.com posted this opinion. The issue is not about hiding anything. It is about personal property rights. If the consumers want full disclosure, give it to them with streaming video, but someday they are going to have to realize that all these added costs that agriculture is incurring to appease animal activists is going to increase food costs. So there are two, actually two points there to discuss. One is, do you think that personal property rights are being violated? Um, and do you think that large processors or even small ones um, have the right to privacy or in that sense? And secondly, um, well, let's discuss that first and then we'll go on to the next point. But I, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a very tough question because if I were sort of a mid-sized producer or a mid-sized processor, you know, would I feel comfortable having people just coming in and videotaping my, my thing? And I don't know, you know, like, do I have the right to say no to that? What do you think? Well, I, you know, I, I, when I, when I hear that, I have, I have two reactions. I, again, I get farming, I get ranching. Mm-hmm. But if you're producing a product that has the possibility of having a national food safety outcome, I mean, let's just play around with what if it was bioterrorism? Right. Well, you know what? You're going to have to, you have a special responsibility. It's not just about your farm and your cow. If you are making um, uh, munitions or even cars, you have a responsibility to the public. So we release some of that privacy when we endeavor to go into national commerce. That's just the reality. Everybody does it, and everybody has to play the game. This notion that you can uh, work in isolation and, you know, you know, damn the torpedoes kind of, uh, of mentality, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not real. It's, again, it's part of a, a, 
a cultural sort of thing that we 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 give to uh, people in agriculture, but to, it, all agriculture is not the same, and agriculture as we knew it has radically changed. This is a big business, a big industry, and it's a big political hot topic. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, again, it speaks to that whole issue of whether or not we're going to be a quote-unquote nanny state. Um, the other thing that that, the, that that particular blogger brought up, which I think is a very good, and of course, the the, uh, the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week uh, video stream has been advocated by, you know, Temple Grandin and, and many others of her ilk. Um, I noticed that only a few, there are a few plants that have implemented that, but relatively few. And, um, I, you know, obviously it does cost, it does add a few cents a pound. Do you think consumers are going to be willing to have their consciences, uh, shall we say, assuaged by seeing, um, you know, uh, uh, an efficient and humanely run plant? uh, Or are they going to say, well, I just don't really care and I don't want to pay the extra money for it? About that streaming video, I think a lot of these plants have plenty of video going on and they've got it aimed at the workers. So they have no problem taking pictures of people doing wrong things, um, but only when it behooves them and Mm -hmm. when they can... They can turn around and, and turn the turn it out on the on the workers, but this, this notion that Temple Grandin video stream, you know, I, I that's not really my thing. I I understand a lot of people think that that's a, a real uh, an important thing to have, or that it would change people's relationship to slaughter. I don't know if it would. I really I don't I don't know if it would. I think we need to change our relationship to the industry itself. And we have to change how they how they present themselves with regard to food safety and with regard to wholesomeness, because more and more and more that presentation isn't grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you want to if you want to show pictures of cattle dying, I, I I remember this Anthony Bourdain. He was in Argentina and he witnessed the castration. Still ate the steak anyway. And I think <laughs> yeah. I think. It was really good. It was really powerful to me because I was like, hey, you know, its producer was like vomiting. She was, she couldn't stand it and wouldn't eat the meat afterwards. But he made a, he made a decision based on given, he was given the reality. Yeah. You know, he was, he saw it firsthand and still tried to stake. And a lot of, you know, at my, at my Nana's house, she killed the chicken and we ate the chicken. I mean, it is, it is what it is. Uh, I, I, if people want to see it, okay if they don't understand it they they deserve to know but at the end of the day industry needs to stop the lies and start reconciling what they're saying with what they're doing and stop misconstruing this as people don't like killing animals don't you know that animals equal chicken nuggets and et cetera, et cetera. that's not the argument so get off it you know right start just being honest about what you're really producing and you're trying to put on our table. Well, I think that that, I think the video stream, I think a video stream that was on the internet that people could tune into if they wanted to would actually go a long way towards keeping uh, these plants a lot more honest. But um, there's way more to talk about that. But I want to just quickly, um, because we only have about 10, not even 10 minutes left. um, You alluded to um, this uh, fantastic new um, loss of regulation, shall we say, in poultry labeling. Do you want to just quickly tell people what that's all about? Because you were having this demonstration on Monday in front of the USDA. So tell us what's going on with the poultry industry. Oh, man, if you thought pink slime was bad, yeah, you know, really? it's what's coming down the pipeline with poultry will just blow your mind. So the USDA is abdicating a lot of its powers 
back to the plant. So they used to have these plant inspectors that would check the wholesomeness of your product and, and the, you know, the disease state of the chicken, but just making sure it's safe to eat, but it's also right to eat. And the standard was, would you put this on your table? Would your family eat this? Now what the USDA is saying, hey, plants, you regulate all of that wholesomeness stuff, and we'll just do a few microbiological tests at the end and make sure it won't kill you. That's the new standard, is it? <laughs> It is wholesome. Yeah. It's no longer is long, no longer the issue. The plant employees themselves are now being re- held responsible for that wholesomeness. Now you tell me if you're if you're an undocumented worker or a low wage worker and you see something cruddy going down the line, are you going to speak up against that plant? Of course not. Are you going to? Of course not. So that's it's another handout to the industry. Now, so if we want to be a part of it, but when you talk about the, yeah, right, yeah, really. So that's going to be in D.C. though, right? It's going to be in D.C., but you can follow us along at, at uh, uh, on Twitter. It's a hashtag foodinteg, and you can see what we're doing. We're going to be live tweeting the whole time. Great. Have some video. So it should be good. People in chicken costumes, you don't want to miss it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be watching that. Um, but when you talk about wholesomeness, um, are we talking about like whether or not it has salmonella, campylobacter? You mentioned something to me on Friday about how they're going to come out with still have their feathers on or some of them and you know some other sort of unsavory aspects i mean how how dangerous do you think this is going to be or do you think it's just like it's just kind of gross but it's not i mean it's gross like pink slime but it's not literally going to kill you well it's it's gross like they're still going to charge you the same amount for feathers scabs lesions and uh tumors i mean that's what's gross i mean not only are you going to eat that what's disgusting is that they they the industry poultry industry is still going to charge you the same amount right they're they're just going to add that in so uh, (laughs) talk about added value um (laughs) (laughs) that is really disgusting um amanda (laughs) so um what what happened to the Food Safety Modernization Act? I mean, like, why is this happening? Is there is because they have a loss of funding, or there are fewer inspectors? I mean, we got to wrap it up here, but I just want to know what, like, what what has suddenly brought this about? Uh, D.C. I think I think it's the District of Columbia. It's Washington. That's that's what it's all about. We get we get this great law in, and and it's like a legless table. I mean, they they toothless tiger, if you will. They didn't fund it. They didn't get the funding that it needed, and and we're not getting the full benefit of this. Really, it, it, it has some things that people don't like, and I get that. But it's got some really wonderful things. We're very fortunate. Uh, whistleblower rights don't cost a thing, so we're able to still do our little part to protect the uh, integrity of food. But um, there's a lot missing that would, would go a long way to, to make our food safer. safer. And we're you know, still going to push for those things, and we'll hope for the best. Have you done any stuff around nanotechnology, by the way, just off the top of my head there? Do you know? I haven't done a lot. Of, I have not done a lot about it uh, or with it. I, I, I know something uh, of it, but we haven't actually had any whistleblowers in that area. Uh-huh. And But we are absolutely open for business if someone <laughs> would like to come forward. Yeah, right. I, I just That just popped into my mind because I did do a show on nanotechnology, which is sort of like the next big thing and, and seems to have a lot of potential for abuse and for, you know, problems with consumers anyway amanda quickly give us your website because we've got to wrap it up here and i hope you'll be a guest again on straight no chaser you've been a wonderful um addition to the uh to the crowd here um so where can people find out more about the government accountability project and especially your part and, of it yes uh foodwhistleblower.org couldn't get much easier yep. so one word food whistleblower 
org. And uh, of course, you guys are a nonprofit, so I'm sure you can always appreciate a donation or two. Um, as can we, by the way, listeners. Uh, we are a nonprofit and 501c3 corporation now, or organization now. So um, thank you very much, folks, for listening. Uh, next week, I will be out of town. We'll be listening again, probably to uh, Shelley Pingree from Maine. And the week after that, uh, April 15th, we have the wonderful Marion Nessel from New York University talking about her new book, Why Calories Count. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks, folks. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. 